don't do it, you find yourself doing it. Mm -hmm. That's what like the NEPQ methodology allows you to attain that. Okay. Whereas a lot of the other uh, ways of doing things are just a little bit too ethereal. They're not granular enough mm -hmm. to where you can really dive into the detail and specifics on it. Yep. I haven't run into a, a sales training methodology that's as well thought out or comprehensive or large in scope. Mm -hmm. Like we have th hundreds and hundreds of scripts for all different industries. Like, and then we have stuff in the portal for everything. Ex-Special Forces Sniper turned entrepreneur. I've scaled numerous businesses to eight figures. My name is Matt Ryder. This is my podcast, and I'm telling you to put that coffee down. down. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee is for Closers. I'm Pat Stewart. This is the man, Matt Ryder. He's finally back. Uh, let's talk about your trip to America. Yeah, I went to America. How was it? It was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So, All right. So what did you go for? Tell us about what I happened. went for uh, Funnel Hacking Live, which is the ClickFunnels event in which they use to uh, trick people into buying their stuff. Okay, so how does that work? <laughs> it's a big event, and the reason that you were there was as part of 7th Level. Yeah. Uh, you and Jeremy were there to receive the $25 million award. We were. And, and if I understand correctly, that means that you made $25 million worth of sales through one funnel. Is that one what it funnel. is? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That they host. Yeah. Right. That's the important part. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Like it's obviously, it's a, I actually thought it was going to be mainly coaching and consulting and it sort of was skewed that way, but there were tons of solar, tons of insurance um, platforms that go there. And it's sort of like a, I don't know. It's like the most professional circle jerk I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been to a few. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but like not, I don't even say that in kind of a bad way. I say it in kind of a silly way, but it, but it was like a, it's a celebration of making money. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's sort of, it's an interesting juxtaposition because you have everyone who is there to get the content didn't win an award. Right. And everyone who's there to get the awards doesn't give a shit about the content. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, interesting, like a lot of the people with awards, there's like a kind of a special room for you. And then you're, they give you like a little pendant and like what award you won. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like. That you wear the whole time while you're there? The whole time. Yeah. Because okay. I was the coolest dude because I had the biggest award. Is that the biggest award? It is. There's no bigger award. Well, you can just do increments of 25. Okay. 50, 100. Okay. So, so you didn't get the biggest award. I guess not. <laughs> is anybody putting 50 million through one funnel? Oh yeah, dude. Who's doing that? Uh, Law Payne, I think, seems to be doing the most. Mm -hmm. There's a dildo salesman who does really well. <laughs> really well. He okay. was the first guy to get the 100 million. Dildos or vibrators? I mean, we can... Ha that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You're right. Is. We'll record that later. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so uh, But there was a couple of solar, like solar marketing companies and stuff like that that put a ton of money through. Uh, a guy called Law Payne, really interesting cat that I met, um, kind of a, like African-American entrepreneur guy. And he was, I was chatting to him, doing like three, four hundred million dollars. And he was like, yeah, I get a business to a hundred million. Then I get bored and I just kind of sit and forget it, mm -hmm. put in my team and then I move on to the next one. Mm, stump a do. I was like, oh, all right, I can seem to know what you're doing then. What's he, what kind of stuff is he doing? I mean, that's a good question. You yeah. know, uh, like I think he has like seven or eight different businesses. Mm -hmm. He gave like 10 million to charity last year. Nice. Um, he's a good guy. Really nice. It's funny. Like, apparently, he used to be real hypey. Like, real, like, what's going on? Like that. And I met him this year, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Like, really, really quiet. Had a business partner with him that definitely buries the bodies. Okay. <laughs> I, I looked into his eyes, and I was like, I recognize you. <laughs> 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 I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, always be scared of the one white guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and then he has, like, so he has, like, a fitness business coaching. He has a supplement company. He has a fitness company. Um and he has like, I think he's just a bunch of stuff. I don't know. It's a pretty overarching, makes a ton of money. Really nice guy. Very, very smart entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. We could probably link his YouTube channel somewhere. Okay. He's sitting there wearing. Should look at like getting him on. You should do an interview with him. Yeah, I'll try Have to. Have a chat with him. Probably won't talk to me, but you know, he's <laughs> try your best. You've only got the one twenty-five million. Award, I know. He has about the hundred million. Yeah. Um, so just talk me through exactly like how did that came to be? Because last year you got the 10 million. 10 million. Yeah. And then this year, 25 million for the same funnel, right? Like same it's the funnel. same thing. We're selling seventh level. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's the same funnel though, because we have other things going and we make money. Right. So that funnel made an additional 15 million. 
Right. And we made other money through other means, but it's from that funnel. And and give me a breakdown of the numbers because it was like when you're talking growth, because that, that's a part of that as well, isn't so it? So seventh level is the 391st fastest growing company in the US, according mm-hmm. to the 5,000. Obviously, you've got to register yep. for that. Most high growth companies do though because it's a good way to get VC funding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were the, th- we were the, I don't want to misquote it, but I think it was like 21st fastest in the U S in services. Okay. Right. Um, so we did really well. It's a very fast growing company. Can you give me some context to that? Like that's a number 21st fastest growing. Or one of the few companies that made it that didn't take capital. Okay. And I'd say we'd be in the top, like if they had an, a, a category for non-fundraising companies, we'd be in the top, you know, 30 or 40, mm-hmm. I would say. So we went from, we, we had some sort of like 576% growth mm-hmm. and we won it in 21, in tw- 2020, 2020, we were like 1200th in 2021, which is the last one because it's kind of retrospectively, it's based on finance. You have to submit your financials. Like it's very, mm-hmm. you can't fudge it. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, I was going to lie and say for the audience to help them understand, but for me to help me understand, uh, taking capital would mean that a business can go from Borrow. zero. They've mu- they borrowed the money, but then they grow fast because they just like huzzah, we're a giant business immediately. Yeah. Whereas you have uh, bootstrapped it. Yeah. So didn't take any money from everyone from anyone. Each sale goes to the financing of building the company and going from yep. there. Yeah. yeah. So like when you when you take funding, like when you go and raise capital, it does a few things. One, it like it gives your business and probably an artificially high valuation mm-hmm. uh, because there's different modelings of there's like a financial valuation, which is like, hey, you make this much money. There's a standard uh, multiplier of your EBITDA, right? Which is you know your earnings mm-hmm. you put back in all this stuff, um, and then from there there's like a standard industry multiplier. And then when you get VC, when you start looking at money what they'll do is they'll have a look at like an internal rate of return Mm -hmm. so it's like well if we're going to come into this business what can we get out of it Mm -hmm. so they'll give you much larger multiples right so then all of a sudden you you have a business doing a million dollars a year and it's valued at 900 million right you know like i know a business at the moment they have an app like a business card app Mm -hmm. they do a million dollars a year revenue they have a one billion dollar valuation right because it's getting it like that's no, that's not. It's not what you think. It doesn't have to do with it. Like we see the trajectory you're on. Not and really. That valuation. It doesn't have to. It can have. What does it provide me in my other businesses? Like if that person has a huge user base, right? But the revenue will never get above say ten million. Mm-hmm. But it has an enormous user base, like WhatsApp, for example. Mm-hmm. Like WhatsApp was bought by Facebook for a crazy, 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 crazy multiple because it had the database of people and it could now communicate with people on a separate means mm-hmm. and then get that database in, right? Mm-hmm. So the internal rate of return for Facebook is enormous because now it's got more people for its advertisers to go after. Right. That's why they went after Snapchat. Mm-hmm. You know, and Snapchat didn't sell and now they're worth fucking kajillion. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like Twitter, for example, has a multiplier of 170 times revenue. Right. Twitter doesn't make that much money. So, you know, it's it, like it's less than a hundred million dollars a year, Twitter makes. Right. That's not that much money, you know? So Flo Payne's making more than Twitter. Yeah. So the value is not in what it the money it makes, but the other ways you can make money by owning the data that it has. Exactly. Or okay. data or whatever else the the VC sees in that business. Mm-hmm. You know? So venture capital, they'll they'll own pieces of four thousand businesses. And if they can plug something in that goes and spiders out. That's phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know. So they get a massive internal rate of return. Then all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh shit, we could make this much money off doing this." They're like, okay, cool, you know. And then they get to feel good about themselves. They're kind of in a sticky spot at the moment because, like, they, like over the last three years, like VC was funding was really easy to get, and they were giving people crazy multipliers and doing all kinds of stuff because they're like, "Yeah, this is so much fun." And now everyone, everything's kind of drying up because, like, not many of those projects came to pass. Mm-hmm. What so. what caused that trend? Why were they? Throwing out so much money. And when you say they, venture capitalists, like who, who specific? Like say like BlackRock, right? BlackRock okay. is a huge VC firm that owns like all the fucking houses in the US. Okay. Right? Like they own Triple Canopy for a while. Like, you know, that fucking huge, huge, huge. One of those monstrously evil companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That will like, like fucking buy all the foreclosures and then kick out families and go fucking beat the losers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, like they just went through. So a lot of... I don't really know why because it was kind of weird because 
there was a while there where like private funding was like crazy. And this is going back like just six months ago where, because like the markets were all really hot and things were happening. And then now that like the economies are all kind of cascadingly tanking all at once. Mm. Right. Um, and with like the, this might be super boring people, but with the, um, with the, it's really unappetizing to do business with the U S right now mm. because of the strength of the U S dollar. But the U.S. dollar is worth less in the U.S. Yeah. So it's a really odd time where the U.S. dollar here is insanely strong. Yeah. Like, and inflation here, like, uh, this might put me out of fucking touch, but it doesn't seem like it's hit that much, but I don't look at the prices at the pump. Yeah, yeah. I don't buy my own groceries and shit. So, yeah. like, I don't, haven't haven't felt, except for the housing market, yeah. inflation here that much. I could be wrong. Um but like in the US, it's crazy. Like mm. you go over there and you're like, fuck me, a coffee's like $7. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and so the US, the money's not going far, but it's going really far elsewhere. Mm, okay. So what's happening is like export and import in, in and out of the US is grinding to a halt because I don't want to buy products from the US mm -hmm. because they're now more expensive because it's worth less in the US. Mm -hmm. But the US dollar is so strong, there's like a factorial. Yeah. On what I'm paying for a fucking t-shirt. So I'm just going to go to China or Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So reasons it's becoming more difficult to Economic do business climate. in the US is twofold. Yeah. It, it, so you're getting stung twice. It's doubling it up. Exactly. And yeah. so like for us at, at, at Sales Sniper, for me personally, it's phenomenal. I get paid in USD. Mm -hmm. I, I have a 30% bump. Mm -hmm. Or whatever it is, 20% bump. And for guys making USD in other countries, this is like best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but for businesses, like for us to pay out our USD guys is tough. Like a $20,000 a month salary, that's $240,000 a year US is now $370,000 a year. Yeah. That's Australian a, dollars. That's yeah. a pretty, pretty big chunk. Yeah. You know, so it changes like, and I had a look last month, I had a look in our P&L last month, we lost $23,000 in our foreign currency losses. Because of and that and, and what that is in, in, in like bookkeeping speak is the difference in the foreign exchange rate of when you sent the invoice to when you got paid. Mm. And in that eight to 10 day period, we lost 23 grand. Wow. Just in the fluctuations of the yeah. prices. Because yeah. we, we sent it at that day. It was paid on that day. And that money had changed. changed. And the month before it was like an increase of 11 grand. Mm. So it's really odd, man. It's mm. a very peculiar time in terms of running a business. Man, I remember back in like, I think it was 2011. Yeah. Uh, we overtook them. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. For like a little while. Yeah. yeah. And that's when uh, I got married in the States then. And so we're killing it. <laughs> oh, mate. We were like rich. Liney bought a car. Dropped why not? Dropped 23 grand on a Mustang. Just like, why not? It's the cheapest I'll ever have the opportunity to buy this car. Yeah, bought yeah. it back and sold it pretty much straight away because it was the... Like cheapest opportunity had to do it. Amazing. Um, but I remember those ODA guys coming out and we're on exchange at the time. Yeah. And they were in For the, the people in the camera, ODA. Yeah, it's a different special forces unit that exchanges with ours or our former unit. Um, and so they were they were hurting, man. Like because oh, yeah. they're getting paid in US dollars, but they're in Australia for six months or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Worth less. They were I think that we got to like a dollar ten or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I remember um I went over to New Zealand once when it was like the New Zealand dollar had tanked and it was like double. Mm. And I went, I remember this is years ago, I bought a pair of Oakleys and it was like 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I was just in the, I was just in the airport. Cause I wasn't go, I was going to New Zealand to go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is, did the cow was like, yeah, buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So, but it, it you know, and it, it's nothing I never really thought about, but then when I have a look at like our P and L's and I'm like, fuck man, like we might need to, get someone to hedge our money. Mm. Like, yeah, so explain that to me. What can be done about that? So, well, first of all, you can try and reduce your cash flow cycle, right? So what we've put in place is a meeting. So we're getting paid no more than seven days after invoicing. Okay. Um, you can lock rates as well. You can like lock a rate at, at the day of invoice. And mm -hmm. you have to get approval for that from the, 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 you know, if you're the vendor from the person that you're sending invoice to, but you can lock rates to kind of uh, stop the manipulation of markets because like a good business would hedge. Yeah. So you'd have a CFO that would go pay them now. 
like yeah. that, right? To, to give yourself the best chance. Um, but you can also employ companies to hedge your money. So instead of it being paid to you, it get, all their money gets paid to them. Mm-hmm. They act as like a suspense account and then then they, they hold your money. You have to have a good amount of cash to be able to do it yeah. because you might be four or five days out. They'll hold your money and then they'll transfer all of your money at once on the greatest possible day. Mm-hmm. And then they take a clip of what they make you. Mm-hmm. And their job is to make you money on all. So if you're if you're moving, it really only works if you're moving millions. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you're moving, um, there's a great sales clip, right? Which we which we'll try and find and put up here. It's a Jordan Belfort pitching for Goldman Sachs to get the business of an Australian dairy farm that has most of their uh, d- uh, d- farms in China. And the whole setup is that the guy <sighs> Belfort didn't know he's being filmed. And the CEO is an actual business of an actual very large Australian dairy farm. Um, like, you know, one of the big milk companies, right? Big milk. You know, mm-hmm. those guys, right? Um, <laughs> and big milk. it was actually an experiment to, to see uh, the efficacy of sales styles. Okay. And uh, Belfort came in and the guy had to say no. That was the only rule. The CEO had to say no. If he wanted to do business afterwards, he could. Right, and he had like, had like seven people from very large firms come in and pitch the hedging of the for of the foreign exchange, right? Which is a big account for a business doing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Belfort was so good, he got the account there and then. Right, and the guy had to say no. Right, so like he just is, and, he, and like they put Belfort. Belfort's a great salesperson. Mm-hmm. I don't like his methodology, but he is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um. And so he just hammers this dude, just gets after it, gets after it, gets after it, and the guy just fucking does the deal because he just can't not. Tease that out a bit for me. Like, how is it that he's good at it, but you don't like his methodology? Like, open that up. What does that mean? Well, you can, like, just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's translatable. Okay. Right? Like, if I tried to systemize what Marco does, it's very difficult. Sure. Now, he uses NEPQ. Yeah. Um, but the way in which he does it and some of the layering that he does is like it's elegant and beautiful and very hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the way that Jeremy teaches to sell is is very much replicatable. Mm-hmm. And so the this this like for me anyway personally like I've done straight line that's Belfort's one. Um, uh, it it's good and it gives someone something to to deal with. It's just not uh, it's just not exact enough. Mm. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a good. In, to me, it's a decent interim way of doing things until you find a really precise process. Okay. You know, like, yep. and you might take straight line and then you might develop that into your own thing when you've been in an account for a while or selling something where you can make it your own. But for me, like the problem with it was, I was like, yeah, I get it, but I'm still relying on my sales acumen. Yeah. You know, I'm taking someone through a pretty wishy-washy process which is like fastest way to here and here is a straight line. Mm-hmm. That's my that's the sales like straight line. Okay, right? That's what it is. It is that simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> okay. It's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he isn't. He's gifted. Yeah, he's gifted. Yeah. Jeremy's not gifted. Okay. Well, he is probably the greatest gifted in a separate in a separate he's way. Gifted in a way where he could he could break it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And like when you can break down a process step by step and not have to yell and scream and go rah, rah, get your mindset together. When you can break it down the way that he does, or sometimes the way that I can in certain situations, it makes it easier to learn and adapt. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the methodology of an EPQ because I can like, I can be hung over and I can do it. Yep. It's just like, you know, we we're talking about one of the other podcasts where it's like, you don't do it, you find yourself doing it. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, the NEPQ methodology allows you to attain that. Okay. Whereas a lot of the other uh, ways of doing things are just a little bit too ethereal. They're not granular enough mm-hmm. to where you can really dive into the detail and specifics on it. Yeah. I haven't run into a, a sales training methodology that's as well thought out or comprehensive or large in scope. Mm-hmm. Like, we have th- hundreds and hundreds of scripts for all different industries. Like, and then we have stuff in the portal for everything, mm. you know, which I think is why, like, we have eclipsed most sales trainers because our TAM, like our total accessible market is just much bigger. Like you look at some of our competitors are stuck in coaching and consulting. Mm-hmm. And some of them have come to us and asked us to help them get out of it. And I yeah, told right. them to fucking go kick rocks. 
They're like, oh, you know, we'll do an exchange and we'll teach you this. I was like, bro, you got nothing. I want to <laughs> like, you know, just yeah. like straight up. I'm like, we're like, I go, Jeremy's the best at this, man. And none of you guys can compete. And I'm going to ride that fucking pony all day long. Yeah. Crazy not to. I think, I mean, we're off topic a little bit, but it's worth investigating. Do you think that uh, the system is so much better or do you think it's because he's kind of figured out how to break it down and teach it in, in a way? Like, do you think if Belfort spent as much time systemizing it and writing the scripts and really coming to understand it, break it apart and be able to teach it in that way, it could be as effective? Probably. Because I think that's one of the things I see, uh, not just in, in sales training, but like sort of across training in general, is people who really are really good on the tools often do things that they're unaware of themselves. Yeah. Uh, it, like I got asked one time, you know, like when you when you look at, say in my space in dog training, there's people who, uh, you know, it, most people teach everything that they have to teach, right? But you'll never be as good as them. And and so... They just have, there's something. Yeah, and, and, and very often they're not withholding anything. It's not that they're like, no, this is my secret bit and I'm not going to pass this on to my students. Yeah. It's that they often don't realise how important that piece is. Yeah. Where it seems to me like Jeremy has pulled it apart so many times student yeah so he's pulled it apart put it back together in a different way pulled it apart put it back together to the point where he's like oh it it's like this for all these reasons and passes on that information as to why it is rather like there's no feel he has a feel and does it intuitively but has pulled it apart in order to put it back together in order to explain it to others yeah a good a good um a good example of that is uh eli wilde Mm-hmm. So Eli Wild, like if I wanted to learn how to sell from stage, Eli is the person I would speak to. Okay. Now, like Myron Golden is arguably better. Okay. On stage, Myron Golden is uh like he was at the ClickFunnels event, so was Eli. I met him for the first time in person. He's good, really, really nice guy. But Myron's doing stuff Myron doesn't understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and like he's admitted that he, but he's so good. Yeah. Like that dude can sell. Yeah. But Eli can tell him exactly what he's doing, when he's doing it, why he's doing it, how he's doing it, yeah. in ad nauseum detail and yeah. in real time. Yeah. Like he could like he could color commentate what's happening yeah. when Tony Robbins is on stage. Okay. And I've seen him do it. And it's like, I knew he was good at what he did. And then I saw him do a breakdown of last year's funnel hacking because they have all these speakers. And the, peak, the speakers are, they're having to secret sell. Mm-hmm. Because they've all got something to sell, but they can't hard pitch. Tony's the only one that's allowed to hard pitch at the end. Okay. Right, and then Brunson does a pitch as well. But that's a do you mean really? He's the only one allowed. Pretty sure, yeah. That's what it seems like. I mean, I haven't got confirmed, but I would, I would say that would be pretty true. Okay, right. Tony does whatever fuck Tony wants. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's what I mean. Is no he allowed? Or he bro, just Tony was it. slated for ninety minutes. He went for eight hours <laughs> at at the last one. Okay, he might have done the same thing because he's almost always the last speaker. Yeah, and his speaking fee is fucking crazy. I yeah, think it's yeah. like seven hundred grand for an hour. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Do you and think like, he, and you have send to the retrospective bill. When if you book him for ninety minutes and he goes for eight hours, no, like, I wouldn't think so. Are you sitting there going shit? shit. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you have to fly in private. You have to do all these things, and if you push back on anyone, he goes, "Well, fuck you, then I'm not coming." Yeah. And it's not like they're outrageous, but it's just like I think you have to have a fifty thousand dollar miscellaneous fee. Yeah. For the, like, red, the red M and M's that have to be on the table. Yeah, like if he wants something, he should be able to get it. And there's a fifty thousand dollar. Um, Buffer. Like buffer in order to do that. And and I know a guy who said, well, can I get like an itemized list of what that would be if I'm going to pay that? And they go, no, nah, fuck yeah. <laughs> and they just said, we're not doing it. <laughs> Imagine having that like capacity to do that. He's a fully blown billionaire. Yeah. What would he be worth? Like oh, he's worth in the, he's worth in the billions because like the many so, billions or uh, like uh, tens of maybe who knows? I guess it would depend on how you valued him. But uh, like he, it wouldn't be a cash billionaire, I wouldn't think, but and he owns a lot of businesses because yeah. his like top level mastermind, um, it's like a seven year wait list. Obama's on the wait list, right? <laughs> like this is okay. no joke. Uh, it's like a million dollars down. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure he gets 50% upside of whatever your business does after you engage him. Okay. Yeah. And it must be worth it. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hang out with Tony Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those things are if you want to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like the one that we got pitched, this is probably fucking way too much inside baseball, but I really don't care. That's the um, point of a podcast. Yeah. So like, uh, uh, you know, we're in the 25, by the way, the fucking rooms, bro, were ridiculous, right? So they have the award ceremony at the very end and it's way too long. <laughs> 
<laughs> is it? Does everyone? Is there clapping after? Each no, person? but like they're like, hey, listen, uh, Russell and Todd want you to know that they love you all very much. Don't speak to them. <laughs> Are you allowed to make eye contact? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they don't no. want to get. They just don't want to oh, get. Oh, dude, they can't. All day. I know, but like, like they they're can't. not dickheads. Too many they're people. Just, no, no, no. Everyone wants to pitch. I, I, I got. Listen, I've on. I've, I've, I've had my hand around him for a photo. That's it. But I get kind guy. Okay. That's the vibe I get. Kind guy. Terrible taste in watches. He has the old original Jacob. Terrible. Anyway, <laughs> good on him. Super expensive. Terrible watch. Right. Um. But like, seems like a very. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. Sure. Right. Um. But like you can, like they have four hundred and fifty one million dollar award winners. Mm-hmm. And they all have to get a photo. Okay, they're first. Those photos. motherfuckers are in a goddamn cattle, like in a cattle press, <laughs> right? And like the line is huge because everyone gets their photo and it's just boom, 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 boom. But that takes a few hours. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you know, at twenty five seconds, thirty seconds per person. Yeah, yeah. You're looking at four hundred and fifty people. It takes a fucking while. Then you he got the for 10 sure mil. got COVID after that too. Oh, for sure. Bro. <laughs> and then you got the 10 mil, then you got the 25. Yeah. Right? There's only 10 people getting the award that I got. Bro, the room had 10 chairs. No snacks. So you're just waiting in no there. No water. No tea, coffee. You're just fucking sitting in there for hours. <laughs> and I tried to leave like, oh, no, don't leave. I was like, I said, mate, good luck stopping me. <laughs> They're like, oh no, you gotta stay around here. I was like, do I? Do I have to? What if I don't want the award? Because like I got the ten million and the twenty five because obviously you have to go through that again. Right. Right? So it's ten, ten. Oh, so you have to be at the presentation of the ten as well you don't as the twenty five? No, I chose not to. Right. They're like, Oh, go up and get your photo twice. I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I was like, nah. I don't like I gotta wait in line and loop back around. That seems like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just wait until the very end. Mm-hmm. And I just like I literally like went into the presentation area, just sat there, and then tagged onto the end. Mm-hmm. Like we we did a ton of networking, got a few clients there, which sure. was, which was great. But like once I felt like I kind of tapped the keg, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, there was like no air conditioning, nothing, bro. And I said, I <laughs> what do you mean no air conditioning? It's in Florida, was it? Yeah, because it was just like the, just these back rooms, like, oh and it God. was just hot. And maybe the air conditioning just wasn't working. But I later went to them. I said, Hey, next year I'm probably going to get the fifty or the seventy five. I will forward $20,000 to ClickFunnels to cater this area. <laughs> I said, I'm 100% serious. Yeah. But like, you cannot have a bunch of people that make a shitload of money in a fucking room for four and a half hours. Yeah. And they're like, the fuck we can't. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, then don't do it, motherfucker. Don't get your photo. What do we care? <laughs> My, um... My brother told me a story once about how uh, he got a private jet out of Monaco after the Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. And he said that it's the funniest thing you'll ever see in your life because the private jet terminal is tiny and most of the people who are getting their private jets are coming to pick them up, don't wait for anything anywhere ever. Yeah. And But they have to there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're in this shitty pathetic little terminal which can't hold them all and they can see their jets their jets are just right there you're not allowed to walk to it (laughs) (laughs) you have to wait your turn (laughs) and he's like your turn because you want to see stress that's where you'll see stress he's like like, these people are melting down and and they're they're all people that have staff and their staff are running around trying to solve the problem for them but it's a problem that Cannot be, be solved, solved yeah, right? Yeah. And they're all they're all more important than each other. And he's yeah, like, yeah. It's, he said it's the funnest thing he's ever done. Just yeah. sitting there watching them all melt. I tell you, we flew private from uh, Florida to New York. Uh, no, yeah. So because there was six, I'd of expect us, no less. Because there were six of us, and it was Fashion Week or UN or whatever, mm-hmm. and ClickFunnels was on, and traffic and conversions was next week. Mm-hmm. The flights were outrageous. Right, it was the same place to get a jet. Right, so I got a heavy jet. I got a G four. Ooh, snap to do. Yeah, nice jet. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking great. But anyway. Um, did you get 10,000 photos next to it? I did no photos. Photo? Oh. None. Hardcore. Yeah, yeah. That's no. You're an experienced private jet. It's my second guy. time. <laughs> um, the pilot must have been like, oh. Really made me want to buy a plane. Yeah. I looked it up. About 8 million, 10 million US. You can buy a G4. Mm-hmm. And you can rent it out, break even on it. Yeah. It seems like a good idea. Mm. I really want a plane. Yeah. I mean, for the two or three times a year, you'd use <laughs> How it. How dare you, sir? <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so uh, it was great because like we got there. Also got the kids. And they were like, yeah, they just loaded it up. And they're like, when do you want to leave? I was like, oh, we'll leave in a few minutes. I'm like, yeah, sweet man, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy was like, what are you finding JFK for? I was like, I don't know. Fuck, this, where the, fuck New York. That's where the guy told me to go. He's like, oh, that's stupid. And I was like, what do you mean? He's a really cool pilot. He's like, oh, we'll go to Tudor I was like, all right. He's like, give me a minute. And he just called up. He's like, yeah, we're not going to JFK. We're going to Tudor He's like, yeah, sweet. New flight plan. Yeah, let me know when you want to go. Yeah. So what? Like, that's a smaller, more convenient. It's, it's closer. To Manhattan, mm-hmm. JFK's miles away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a thirty. It's like a forty-minute drive. Yeah, like eight minutes with no traffic. But in New York, forty-five yeah, minutes. That's not a thing. Um. Uh. And then there's no landing fee. Right. And you can get picked up on the tarmac, whereas JFK you can't get picked up on the tarmac. Yeah, you're just in the giant airport. So yeah. So it was um. It was really good. It was a really nice experience. They like made us food on the plane. Amazing. Kids are sitting there with their iPads, fucking sitting on a big, um, like having a nap. On the on the on the on the couch and yeah, yeah. it was really good yeah yeah um but it cost the same as um, business right so uh back to the twenty five million award yeah, yeah the the whole point of that thing like obviously it is a huge accomplishment it's a fucking huge achievement and to go from the the ten mil last year to that and to be on that progression to you know fast growing because that that's a separate thing right but it's they're, they're intertwined because uh, the Inc five hundred is the five thousand is a totally 5, separate thing. Yeah. It's just there, and really, that that is literally a front uh, to get. Um, it, it's it's a front for a couple of things. One, it's like they you pay to be like extra promoted by them, so it's like a press grab. It's sort of like a PR thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really smart business model. And then from there, they sell your data to VC firms. Right, okay. And then they take a cut. I'm, we'd be fairly positive they would take a cut of whatever VC funding, like as a brokerage, like a referral fee of whatever anyone comes through. Okay. Because like in order to accept the award, you have to agree that your stuff will be sold, it will be given to VC firms. Okay. Right, which makes sense because fast yeah. growth companies, you get money, you grow faster. Yeah. Right? Because um, you can cash burn, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's a very clever business model. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they can be like, oh, do you want all the awards? You can just pay a couple grand and we'll give you all the awards. Like you can get all the all the plaques. You want the plaques, right? Yeah. Oh, you want the email signature? No, that's 500 bucks. We'll get you the email signature. All kinds of shit, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's really good. Like, oh, hey, do you want to come to our events and be featured in our events? It's only $5,000 and we can speak on stage and you'll be featured. And I don't want any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so with ClickFunnels, 25 mil award, one thing you said that was interesting was the way that there's uh, like seminars, like people teaching. Yeah. Um, what are they teaching? And and, and teaching really, what they're good at. It's just a pitch fest, right? Realistically, but they're not allowed to pitch. It doesn't seem like it. There was one guy actually. Uh, the one the one that I watched was a YouTube guy. Okay. And he's an organic YouTube growth guy, mm-hmm. and he was he knew his shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his name. David Kennedy, I think it might have been. Uh, I wrote it down on my phone. Um, but he he talked about the algorithm. Okay. How the algorithm works and, the and, algorithm. and how you get picked up and how you, the channels that he's grown and all kinds of stuff like that and why they grew and how he grew it and the, the very targeted and selected kind of stuff they did in order to get what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was guys doing like uh, sales workshops. There was motivational speakers. I watched a little bit of Jordan Barrow. Jordan Barrow is a very, very high level wrestler. Okay. Like he's Olympic champion, world champion. Oh, wrestling. real wrestling, like right. a real wrestler, yeah, 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 right, like savage of a wrestler, mm-hmm. um, and and he had a really interesting background. The story so is very motivational. It's just like Tony Robbins come and do motivational stuff, and there's all kinds of like experts, but all those people are in Russell's inner circle. Okay, right. So the things that I started to put together was like okay, and I watched the people who went on stage. There's five thousand people at this event, and mm. every seat's packed, and they all stay in there for eight hours a fucking day listening to people talk. I don't mm-hmm. know how they do it. I couldn't physically do it. Mm. But they all love it. And then they all became like these codified experts because Russell comes out, MC introduces people, says what a fucking badass this guy is, and then he talks for 40 minutes on stage. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is super interesting. And the one thing that they all had basically had in common is that they're all in one of the inner circle programs. Okay. Like Category Kings or one of the the 50, the 150, 250,000. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is super interesting. So essentially like you're you're able to then borrow the credibility of the stage. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not that you make the stage credible. Stage makes you credible. Mm-hmm. And so we signed up to his mid-tier one, just 150 Gs, oh. which you have one. to pay off in three months. Okay. Right? Um, and it was quite funny because it's like, it wasn't an anti-sell, but it wasn't a sell. They do a, a lunch, which I didn't go to, 
um, because I wanted to go to Disney with the family, right? But Marco and and, and Jeremy went, and I told Marco very specifically, no purchases are to be made without my consent. (laughs) So they're literally calling me while they're doing the pitch, going, this is what it is, what it is. And I was like, all right, well, if we think we can get on stage, then I'll do it. That's literally the only thing that I want out of it. Right. Because it's like you get a Slack channel, a portal, a couple of events. Mm -hmm. One of the events was like, seven days after i was like oh motherfucker i'm back yeah and then it was three weeks after that right okay i was like mate i'm yeah. supposed to get to these but anyway like in and and russell's only a part of the middle and the top right so like the 50k you're you're kind of like so you're buying access to him yeah or potential access to him potential yeah right? and so it makes sense though that they then draw like i suppose yeah they, they they can they can sort of vet yeah exactly that's what i was gonna you say you know over a year period they can vet um and like I get it, like you, you should prop up your clients, like yeah. the people paying you two hundred fifty thousand dollars, like mate, throw them a bone. Yeah, you but know? more than that, like I suppose you you also have to win the twenty five mil award or above. I'm pretty sure. Okay, to cool. even do Atlas. Yeah. Okay. And then you have to do a CC award in order to get into the fifty, and you have to do a ten to get into the middle. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So it's sort of segregated in that. Yeah. Because people tend to go, well, I want to do the big one because, but I was like, well, you're not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean you. I mean, like, if people want to go straight for the big one and yeah. they're only making a million a well, year. they'll bankrupt themselves. Yeah, right? but it's pointless. It's like it's like the same as you just selling someone into Jeremy's inner circle straight from the street. Yeah, but it's also like, also, I did a cost-benefit, and I was like, the 50 makes no sense okay. for me because I only want to have an opportunity to get on stage, and maybe we learn a few things and we get to network with people and we'll get consulting clients and yeah. for you clients and sales training clients out of it, right? Yeah. Sales training teams, sort of that. None of those people are in that one. Okay. Now, we could do that one and we could bully sell all the people who made the one million award, and that was a serious thing that I considered. Uh-huh. So we could be the big, thick dick <laughs> in the sea of pencil dicks. <laughs> That yeah. was one consideration that me and Marco yeah. considered because we could just send Marco there and he'll bully all those people into I w- buying. I will admit, being a big fish in a small pond it's is a wonderful feeling yeah. for a little while. Yeah, so we considered that, but I was like, no, the real play is getting Jeremy on the main stage at yeah. Funnel Hacking 2023 or worst case 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, of which, like, he, he's a well-known entity. Everyone mm-hmm. knew Jeremy, mm-hmm. like, when we got there. So that was really good. So that's kind of where we saw the benefit for it. But it was just very interesting because, like, that, you know, ClickFunnels makes well over $100 million. Mm-hmm. They make, like, potentially in the 200s. I, I don't really know, but I know they make a lot of money. Like, their their monthly recurring is well over $10 million, mm-hmm. right? So, forgive my ignorance, like, how do they actually make that money? Well, it's they 97 or No, it's 97 or 297 a month for ClickFunnels. Right, okay. Like that's how they make. So they money. don't take but a they, piece of the no. sales that go through the funnel. They just no. it's a flat fee. Yeah, that's what Lightspeed does. That's why ClickFunnels is so much bigger. Right. You know, and then ClickFunnels 2.0 has the functionality that Lightspeed has as well. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear, indeed. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Not all of it. Not the interactivity, but it hosts content. Right. Uh, I think they might have bought Sam Ovens's school, and they might have bought it, and then they also bought Lady Boss, which is a big fitness company. Okay. Um, so they're buying up. So like ClickFunnels 2.0. It's beautiful 0. for them because they can see the success of the companies in the back end. And yeah. Just figure out which ones they want to buy. Yeah. It's really smart. That's genius. Yeah, he's a very clever man. Yeah. And you can see like... Just don't look him in the eye. No, don't, don't. You fucking look at him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I don't know what their whole thing is. They got offered like well over a billion okay. to sell and they said no. Yeah, okay. So they're, they're killing it. Yeah. Oh, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. No, no, no. He seems really happy. No, it makes it <laughs> makes total sense. Like, and and we we'll, we have a laugh, but it makes total sense that they say don't fucking harass him. Oh, if there's dude, five thousand people. Dude, there. I that I said being up there and being him right now is would be my personal hell. Yeah, it'd be exhausting. Fucking I don't want to speak to people. Um, I don't want a bar of that. Yeah. I, I, like I would do it as a group. The the one million awards they got to get rid of that photo. Yeah. They 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 should have a cardboard cutout. <laughs> you put your fucking That's face what in. I was thinking. Right? It they should. can just CGI that shit. Like, hey, man, don't, don't worry about it. We'll CGI. It happened. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, they have a cardboard cut out of him like this, yeah. and you got to, like, climb in underneath and get yeah. the hug photo. They have 40 of them at once. Yeah. Chook, boom, chook, boom. Do you have to take the photo yourself, or is there a real photo? No, there's a real photo. There's a real okay, So you don't, like, ask someone with your iPhone. Yeah. And <laughs> it was funny because, like, I found the whole thing really funny because yeah. I don't take it very seriously. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and they said, Russell and Todd really want you to know that they love you and they think you guys are great. Just don't speak to them. <laughs> and I was like, ah! And everyone's looking at me. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. was like, and tell Russell he's not allowed to speak to me either. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking great, man. It was really funny. And if you're passing me the whole way, you just have to be like, yeah. sir. Uh, Don't you say uh, sir. Yeah. 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 But it was, it was really funny. It, it was funny to see like some of the people who took shit really seriously. Uh-huh. And, and I think like that's one of the reasons why I, I found snipers difficult to be in. Mm-hmm. It's because like I just didn't. So obviously that's a very serious job. Yeah. But you don't have to be serious. Yeah. And like people took themselves very seriously in that job, and I just didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think like that, like that wasn't funny <laughs> in that environment. I, I found it funny, but no one else did. But in this environment, it's hilarious to me how serious some of the people take it. Yeah. It's like, bro, you just got a business that's doing better than that guy's. Yeah. That's it. But like he might make less money, but a lot more profit. Like you're not, we're not talking about profit here. We're talking turnover. Yeah. And so it's just money that goes through that funnel. Yeah. Where it goes after that, nobody knows. Exactly. And, you know, like I know guys that are running affiliate marketing where 50% of their revenue immediately goes to the affiliate. Mm-hmm. It's not much left. I even spoke to like Law Payne and he was like, oh, my margins are razor. Yeah, right. You know, on some of his, on some of the things that he does, like the razor thing, but it's a volume game. Yeah, yeah. So he makes, you know, a shit margin on a shitload of money. Mm hmm. You know, like they're just different ways to run a business. Like I, I met a guy there who was doing six million a year, but fuck man, like he did nothing for that six million. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, he was like, I was like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, we don't have any paid ads. I was like, what are your sales team? He's like, I don't have a sales team. I it just like, sits there. I was like, what do you do? He's like, well, I automated the course like two years ago and I have a webinar. And I was like, what do you charge? He goes, he goes 18K. I was like, how do you sell it? He goes, over a video. <laughs> he goes, what does it convert at? He goes, 12%. <laughs> like teach me <laughs> yeah don't change the thing he spent like 20 years doing like 200 stages a year right okay and like that like he, then he just like put it all online mm-hmm. and he has such a huge list like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. really active list and it's just like two days they do he does one live webinar a week um that's it man perfect Dude works a couple hours a week. Living the dream. And like everything else is done for him automated. Mm-hmm. So he had a really good chat with him. He was a really cool guy. He wants to ramp it up. So we're going to do a sales and marketing for him. Perfect. But um, it's just super interesting. Like, that guy was crushing it. But like in these guys, oh, we're doing 20 million a year. It's like, yeah, but that guy makes a shitload of money. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, um, he turns over six and a half, but six of it goes in his pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? So it, it's just super interesting. Like, and, and I think like people obviously. Like there was a couple of God complexes in there. And mm-hmm. I think just like also people who like everyone who knows who I am knows my background. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, I don't think they know how to take me, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I think does get a little bit um, overlooked and you have to be careful how you explain this, but I think that a lot of ex special forces people have a hard time actually making male friends. Have you ever noticed that, that like people get afraid to approach you because yeah. there's like some like I don't know expectation Alpha or something, type yeah. Shit going on, yeah. And it's very often not the case. You're like most of the guys that I know from back in the day are the nicest dudes you'll ever meet in your life, yeah. and the most open sort of social guys you'll ever meet. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be on the opposite side of the battlefield. That yeah, would yeah. be a disaster for you. Yeah. But to hang around with, they're lovely. But I think there's a little bit of hesitation there in that sort of space. Yeah, and I think also then you get the opposite of people who try and overdo it. Mm. Oh yeah, like, that happened a few times. Yeah, and I was like, this is interesting. Mm. Um, so it was really interesting actually walking with Jeremy. Yeah, because like we've we've put a lot of effort into making that diet fucking somewhat famous, mm-hmm. and it's working. Mm. Um, and Deservingly too, right? Yeah, like for it, sure, it, it, nothing but happy for it. Yeah, um, and to watch him kind of walk around and literally every ten steps, can I have a photo? Can I have a photo? Can I have a photo? Mm-hmm. And people are like, "Oh my god, I've been watching your reels and watching this, watching this." It was fucking really cool to see. Mm-hmm. They took it like a, took it like a champ, loved it. Yeah, of course, but did it the right way. Yeah, didn't you know? ask anyone not to talk to him. No, no. I mean, that's next year. That's me. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it was really good to, to sort of see, I guess, the fruits of a lot of our labor kind of paying off. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, uh, sort of seeing where things can go, I mm-hmm. think it was super interesting. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. Like Disney was great. So like, I, I didn't take it too seriously. Like, yeah. I, I went there with an expressed intent of like, we will get some things out of this and we got the things that we wanted. Perfect. Um, so that kind of worked. And then once I ticked the boxes, I was like, hey, I'm ripcording the fucking out of here. Yeah. Cause this is not the environment that I, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so had days, we had the VIP days with Disney. So we like no lines. Yeah. Went straight to the front. Did you that? Fucking Guardians of the Galaxy ride is incredible. Really? Oh, bro. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, they've in- what Disney's done really interesting is that they've incorporated, like, light and screens, virtual experiences with real experiences. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, instead of using animatronics now, they're using light on, like, statue. Okay. So it looks perfect. Mm-hmm. And they can make it do whatever they want, and they can change it. Mm. You know? Um but it was incredible, man. Like they use this like forced perspective. So like as you're in like Pandora, you're looking out and it looks like the mountain's going forever because the mountains just get smaller and smaller. Mm. And they're tucked behind, you know what I mean? It's really fucking cool. But I always like going to Disney because it's like from a business perspective, it's just incredible to watch everything run so seamlessly. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, and then we went to New York and met Sir Hant, uh longtime client. Got to have a meeting with him, talk about some shit we needed to talk about. He was really cool. Just mm-hmm. a totally normal dude. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like uh, when you were saying the people who have it, you know what I mean? I was talking to his head of marketing, Raf. He's a fucking savage marketer guy. And he was like, uh, you know, we saw this course and it's like one of the things that we're struggling with with that course is like what's the end state? Because the end state can't be Ryan. Because right. Ryan is a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. He's not a normal so human. That's unattainable. It's an unattainable goal. Mm. That's hard. So it's like it can't be be Ryan because you're never going to replicate it. He's a trained actor. Because that's what he was before. He was an actor, and actors are savages on camera, mm. like savages. Mm. One of the things that we've explored is having paid actors do the ads, mm-hmm. and it works very well. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just so much better. We actually got a, a couple of actors to come in and do outbound for us because they get paid nothing. Mm-hmm. So you can just go and pay an actor, like, hey, we'll pay you a couple grand a month. They're like, oh yeah, sweet, thank you. And you give them a script, and they're like, yep, like what. Okay, you need to be empathetic. You here. are the character of a sales guy. Yeah, you need to be empathetic here. Yeah. You need to convey this tonality here. And they go, okay. And they just do it perfectly. And yeah. it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, but he has the ability just to turn on camera. Like, he's just a normal guy. Hey, man, how's it going like that? When Sammy came in, he was Ryan Sirhan from television. Okay. Like, hey, Sammy, how's it going? Like, super nice. And like, oh, my God, so good to meet you. Because she helped him out. She was on Million Dollar Listing. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I mean, she, she, she's definitely a broker from <laughs> Sydney. We sold a house to James, who's definitely a real estate investor. It, it upset me quite a bit. <laughs> it upset me quite a bit to see the behind the curtain yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway. So, but he was really, really nice to her. I took a selfie with her and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah. And then when it was Disney, she's like, okay. It's just like normal dude. Mm-hmm. But you can tell like, and I had a chat to him. It was really interesting. And I was like, so what's your play here, man? Like, are you IPOing? And he's like, he said something really interesting. which really got me thinking. He goes, I've never met the CEO of a public company that was happy. Wow. And I was like, ooh, you've thought about this. Mm. He's like, and they're all fat. <laughs> I was like, interesting. So I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. The amount of pressure on the CEO of a public company is yeah, yeah. like unpleasant. I never really thought about it because we've rallied around about IPOing one day. Mm. And and hearing him talk, I talked to him a little bit more in depth about it, but he was like, they're not happy people. Mm. He's like, listen, maybe someday someone offers me a shitload of money and I take it. Mm. He's like, ask me next week, I might have a different answer. Mm. Which was actually really comforting for me to hear because they have a very large business, mm. very large. Like they're doing over $100 million, You know what I mean? Mm. Um and to hear him say, like, ask me next week, it might be different, was kind of like, ah, oh, sweet, I'm not crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, like, that dude's definitely got his shit as one sock. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, like, I think that's a byproduct of being passionate about anything, right? So, like, when you're really passionate about doing it, yeah. you, you, your passions within the space can flick. Yeah. So, like, he loves doing what he does, but he likes making money and do, making money is part of what he does. Yeah. And so there's like a, probably a sort of a, a bit of a, a duality between 
Like I like the control. I like doing things exactly as I like to do them. But the reason I like to do things exactly as I like to do them is because I like making a ton of money. And so like if I can make a ton of money doing this, now I lose some control or I'm more accountable to people when I'm not accountable before. So yeah. like that that needle has to just bounce back and forth between yeah. what is it I really like here, you know? Yeah, because being like the the head of a large company, like I'm the head of sort of a, I would say like a, a decently sized company. Like we're not even a medium. I know, I guess we are probably a medium sized business now. I think it's 50 million. Mm-hmm. So I think I all up probably close to that. Okay. Um, but anyway, so pretty decent size, but like as it gets bigger, I could see it getting, getting not as pleasant, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, you. like you have to remove so much of yourself from the decision making. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you, the separation of like who you are at work and who you are at home has to become separate. Mm. Like we're going through like a weird time at the moment. So I won't go into too much specifics, but it's definitely made me more of an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to turn that off when you go super home. Super hard. Yeah, yeah. My wife is like, dude, you got to chill the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Cause like she'll make a mistake and I'm like, a, like a mistake. I don't know how you, whatever. Right. And it's like, up, ah! you know, <laughs> like fucking straight <laughs> onto it. Like no mercy, you know? And it's like, and you got to check yourself and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. But like right now, my default is fucking. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? Yeah, and I like I, it's it's so funny because like I think in, in small business land, especially coaching and consulting land, we fight against the corporate mentality so difficult, mm-hmm. so so much. But there is a reason why every Fortune five hundred and one thousand company is run in the same way. Yeah, yeah, and there's also a reason, and this is a very recent realization in my head, why the discrepancy in salary is so important. Mm-hmm. So. There's a huge discrepancy between the mailroom and the CEO. Yeah. Look at a bank, right? Like I'm talking, you could take everyone from middle management below combined and they make as much as the CEO, mm-hmm. right? So what I've kind of figured out is that that is a necessary evil mm-hmm. because uh, the CEO of Telstra, I don't know, remember who was telling me this. The CEO of Telstra went and did a talk at a university and they said, how much do you get paid? He goes, $17 million a year. They're like, fuck, that's a lot of money. They're like, what do you get paid for? And he's like, listen, HR would want me to tell you all the things that I do. I get paid to make decisions. Mm. And they said, how many decisions do you make a year? And he goes, the real answer is about eight. Mm-hmm. But they're very important. Yeah. And they're binary decisions that can make or break. Mm. And so it's like those decisions take a lot of computation. Yeah. And the outcomes of them are very difficult and no one can help you make them. Mm. And so like those, and, and like, and the people who can make those decisions confidently and deliver that where people are going to go out there and do difficult things or unpleasant things in order to get that done, to be able to drive the ship where it needs to go. Those people are rare. Mm. The people who can do that. Um, and, and so like you've got a people with high salary who require zero input. And that's really what a high salary is designed to do. It's zero input. Mm. Like even with you, like I don't need to tell you to do anything. Mm-hmm. There's zero input required for me. You need input for me just to get stuff done to be mm-hmm. here. But other than that, like I don't need to do anything, mm-hmm. right? Where, so whereas I could get someone for a third the right and tell them exactly what to do and they push a button. Mm-hmm. And so like the the world is is segregated by people who are, need to be told what to do in sequence Mm -hmm. and then monitored to make sure that's done correctly, which is like what middle management is. Mm -hmm. Middle management is like a a, a vacuous hole of no movement. (laughs) Right? It's what it is. Like it's so hard to get past middle management because like you have to do something outstanding Mm. to be noticed to move up further. And then there's something called, I think it's the Peter principle where then you run the risk of promoting people to a state of incompetence. Yeah. I've heard of that. Right. I, don't, so, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. Yeah. It's something like the Peter principle or something like that. So what, what you do is like, oh, you're great. You're great. Fan, fantastic mailroom guy. You should definitely be the mailroom manager. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. You are a good mailroom manager. You should be the managing supervisor of the area. Mm-hmm. You are okay managing supervisor but you've been here for five years you should probably do the next thing and then you're fucking shit yeah, you yeah. are shit at this thing but you've been here for too long to go yeah <laughs> right and and so you just do a poor job at this and then that flows down to everyone else doing a poor job because the leadership is poor mm-hmm. and that's a really common thing which is why a lot of big companies don't internally promote mm-hmm. yeah and so like these are things that have like 
I've always, no, you internally promote. It's like that's not what's necessarily best for the person. Mm. What's best for the person is for them to reach a ceiling within your company and then go and learn a new skill set in a new company with new people so they can diversify what it is they know so they can move up themselves or realize where their ceiling is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. And like all those things are kind of necessary because if you have like your middle management or your upper management paid too much, then like these guys can't get paid enough. Yeah. And then your margins are shit and everything kind of, you become top heavy, mm -hmm. which is no bueno because like when you're top heavy, you lose agility, you know? Yeah. And like, if you want to, if you want to, if, if you want to steer the Titanic, the first thing you have to do is cut weight. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So in cutting weight from the top, it doesn't always make sense, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, it's just interesting, right? Like the, the bigger the business gets, the more I understand corporate and, and why it's structured how it is and how important some of those structures are whilst trying to avoid some of the pitfalls of inefficiencies. And But man, they're hard to avoid, mm. you know? <laughs> like yeah. it's really difficult. Marco was tearing his hair out because he wants to move someone from an account has to submit a fucking support ticket. <laughs> I'll bet that's good. That dude loses fucking mind. But there's 15 processes that have to happen. Yeah. And is yeah. he going to do them? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> right? So it's... But he has to support, put in a new ticket to hire a VA to do that. <laughs> no, right? It's just really weird, man. I don't know if anyone gives a fuck about this, but... I'm sure they um, do. It's very interesting. Um, it is. Yeah. So I think like, you know, the it, it's funny, right? Like I think if I... You know, could go back to myself five years ago. I'd probably hate the thoughts that I have now mm -hmm. and how things should be done. But you just didn't know. I just, I just didn't know. You know, and and I think like I look at the coaching industry and I was like, oh, you just don't know yet. And and, and but most coaching businesses, right? Like they're all flash in the pan businesses. So mm -hmm. They get boom, boom like that. That's why you see people on stage at ClickFunnels one year getting an award and you never see them again. Mm -hmm. You know, so because they, they just sort of no corporate like you have to adopt some of it if you want any sort of like longevity, mm -hmm. even like uh, one of the big shifts that I will be making at some stage is like um, at seventh level is like paying comms on an accruals basis instead of a cash basis, mm -hmm. which like high ticket closers won't like that. Right. Right. So but like it's in reality, it's the only way that you can do it and have a sustainable business model. Because, in like, r r right right now, right, like, the way you, you do a $15,000 paid in full, here's a 20%, mm -hmm. right? But the the business has incurred a six-month liability. Yeah. So I've now paid out all the cash, right? And, and you may or may not actually make that money. Well, I've made the cash. Yeah. But I might not realize all the revenue. Sure, sure. Right? So what you got to do is, realistically, you need to run an accruals basis. And if you ever want to grow your business, you have to run an accruals because it... It just gives you a far more in-depth level of insight because you're not looking at cash. It's not emotional. You're looking at revenue. Mm -hmm. And in the coaching business, people think revenue is more mm -hmm. than cash. And it's sort of not, right? So people are like, yeah, what do you make cash? It's like, well, yeah, that's fine. But in a good business, sort of your cash is higher than your revenue. Okay. You know, because like the, the realized revenue is only a percentage of what you collected. Okay. So like your your overall contract value might be four million dollars and then you only collected four hundred thousand and then all of a sudden if you think you're spending based on four million, which is the pitfall of you know, contract value. But that's not really revenue. It's different, right? Realized revenue is like, hey, I got an eighteen thousand dollar paid in full. It's actually that's a six month thing. They pay the equivalent of three thousand dollars a month. I'm going I I intake my eighteen thousand dollars but I know that is six months worth of money. Mm. So then I, I, I take that and my asset, my asset balance goes up, but I only realize the revenue once the month is complete. And so on my cash, on my balance sheet, I've got uh, asset liability owner's equity. The owner's equity is where realized revenue sits. So it's like when I bring my 18,000 in, my, I go up in 18,000 worth of cash, mm -hmm. but I go up in 18,000 worth of liability. Okay. And then each month, that cash is used and the li and the liability, right, then goes down because I now have a month left and then that cash goes into realized revenue. Okay. So it chunks down like that, right? Okay. 
And now as a business owner, I can look and I can go, okay, cool. Like I might have a cash store of $8 million. Mm-hmm. And, but it means that I'm like, I'm just chugging along. And that means if everything turns off tomorrow, I'm planned out for six months. Mm-hmm. I'm good to go. Comms and everything. Mm. We should do a YouTube video on that. Yeah. We should explain that. Yeah. Feels like the place to wrap it up. Yeah, finals, had an awesome time. Took a jet. <laughs> did to not Disney. speak to Russell. Did not. Did make eye contact though. I did. Sorry, as fuck. Got a photo. Jacob, watch. <laughs> it's ugly. Fuck, bro. All right, guys, that's it for another episode of Coffee is for Closers. If you like this kind of stuff, let us know. Give us a like. If you made it this far, if you're watching this, for God's sake, you can like the video. You've made it this far. My God, you can like it on YouTube. But if you're listening on the podcast app, good for you. In your car. Congratulations. Yeah. You did it. Uh, <laughs> leave us a comment. Get in touch with me. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We'll, we'll just do it. Yeah. All right, goodbye. Put that coffee down. Down. down.